What's up, millionaires, especially for all of you out there that have been exploring the endless opportunities of starting your own podcast. I think it's only right I tell you about Anchor because I use Anchor to host my own podcast, The Million Dollar Mind, and not just because it's free like all hosting platforms should be, but Anchor offers unlimited space for content, free distribution on major platforms like your Apple, Spotify, Google, etc., free mobile and desktop recording tools. And the best part is you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. To learn more about Anchor, be sure to visit anchor.fm or follow the link in the show notes. I'll see you there. going on listeners and thanks for tuning in to the million dollar mind podcast i'm your boy kai speaks and this is your guide to accumulating abundance in your life now on wednesday y'all so excited on wednesday i had an opportunity to have an interview on 106.5 philly wppm radio the mic with the host jaso guapo which is a good friend of mine uh fellow cheney alum super excited uh, to have that interview but the good news is for my million dollar minders out there is he allowed me to share that interview with the million dollar mind community. So I'm super excited to share that with you all because man, this, I, this episode, we might, <clears throat> man, I'm not even going to delete that because <clears throat> I had, <coughs> I had those boiled peanuts. And if you live down South, you know, that the boiled peanuts be hitting, but sometimes that Cajun get in the back of your throat and causes you to do what I just did mid episode, but we still rolling, right? So Jaso Guapo gave me the, uh, the blessing to share that interview with you guys in the million dollar mind community. Super excited because we was dropping gems left and right. I mean, we talking about consistency. We talking about how to properly use your network to, you know, believing in yourself and having that unconditional faith in the activities that you're doing, how to not waste your time and how to value your time over money. Man, it was just a overall amazing episode and I can't wait for you guys to listen. So with that being said, I'm just going to throw on the episode. This is WPPM. Radio Philly, the mic on 106.5 with Kai Speaks and Jaso Guapo. All right, so you are now locked in to the mic on 106.5 WPPM FM with your host, Jaso Guapo. The six is out today, handling some important in business in the community. But you already know the show must go on. I'm locked in today with... Introduce yourself, bro. Kai Speaks, what's going on, y'all? It's a blessing to be here. Yeah, so, yeah, man, uh, I appreciate you locking in with us. I appreciate you tapping in and coming on to share some of your insight, um, share some of the, the the theme of your business and what you got going on. Um, so introduce yourself. Let them know. Let them know about you, the podcast, what you got going on. Yeah, man. So again, like I said, my name is Kai Speaks. I'm the uh, host of the Million Dollar Mind podcast, which you can find on all streaming platforms. I'm also a real estate negotiator. So I pretty much help people. Uh, yeah, I help people negotiate and sell their properties. Um, so I pretty much help sellers get as much as they possibly can 
uh, for the market value of their home worth, the, you know, the condition and things like that. And then I help my investors, you know, pick up premium real estate for an affordable price that, you know, that leaves them enough room to make money for their deals and, you know, put in rehab and things like that. Right. And I, and I also, so, and, and I remember a while ago, we actually talked about like, like fixing credit and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So you, you still do that too, right? So I still help people. What I do now is I have a team that, that mostly focuses on the credit things because I had to step away and focus more so on my real estate endeavors, but I still also uh, offer consulting for financial education and credit services. And if the services are needed, then I will, you know, direct them to my teammates that will, you know, get them set up. See, so, hey, look, it's, the good part is that you still got the connection. Like, that's really the major part, like the major part of building any kind of brand and building any kind of business is you, mm-hmm. even when you, when you step away, you might've learned something along the way and you might step away from it, but it's always good to stay connected because you always have that resource for new people that you meet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so, for the people who don't know, I am. I went to Cheney. Kai also went to Cheney. So, Kai, how about you tell them the importance um, of college and what kind of, what role did college play in your journey to entrepreneurship? Bro, I feel like that's a that's a great question. First of all, and I feel like my role or Cheney's role in my life of me going to Cheney really was, it's like unfathomable. It's like so unexplainable that what what this impact was for what what Cheney in my life but I'll start here so typically what most people say you know the whole impact of going to college is you know you get a a degree you start working in your field and you start paying off your student loans if you had a full scholarship you was blessed enough you know to start uh in the in the black uh exactly or as profit but for for me Cheney opened my eyes up to a whole nother reason why we should consider college as an option for us. And that was the network that I, that I, that I um, obtained just from being at Cheney. Like Cheney is one of those schools, like, yeah, people, they, they go there and they, they, they excel, they do very well academically, but Cheney, to be honest, is one of those uh, second chance schools where a lot of people who couldn't get into the schools that they wanted to get into because their requirements mm-hmm. were stringent and all that other stuff. Cheney was that, that community that, that gave people that second chance to at least go to college and, and make it feasible for their life and their situation. Um, and that's what, that was yeah, my situation. I, honestly, yeah, I, I, honestly, I kind of had like that same experience myself. It was, it was one of those things where I tried going to college before. Um, I, I started at um, Art Institute of Philadelphia. I thought I was going to stick to audio engineering my whole life. I thought that was going to be, that was me. Mm-hmm. And when that didn't work out, I just thought college wasn't for me. And it wasn't until maybe like a couple years later that my uncle introduced me to the idea of an HBCU and started kind of educating me on what HBCUs was, the mm-hmm. purpose of them, and what they stood for. And when I, by the time I found Cheney, bro, I honestly fell in love with just the ideal that a school could educate people while people weren't even allowed to read yet just blew my mind Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying um and like you said when i got there it was it was less like the education is great you can never say nothing about that but like you said it was more or less the community that was there Mm -hmm. like the professors was there for you to give you insight on things that really didn't have much to do with class and the the students was there and and they wasn't there just 
for scholarly things, but you know, we all vibed together. Like we hung out like family. Yeah, exactly. So um that that that's really what was crucial. And for me, the importance, like the importance of Cheney literally was just that, like that networking. Um and even the opportunity to come on the radio even presented itself because of the network that I created while I was at Cheney. Exactly. And even to add on to that, bro, like um, you mentioned like the professors and the, the impact the professors played uh, at our college careers, too. I think that the biggest thing was just the size of Cheney. Right. Some people will complain about how small Cheney was. But for me and for I'm sure you can attest to this as well. I feel like the size of Cheney was what allowed us to thrive the way that we did, because if you have in that class that you're struggling with, you in a class size of like six to 15 people when it comes to your major. So you got that that one-on-one time that you need with your professors. And like you mentioned, what, what, how small the campus was, everybody was closely knit and it was very family-oriented to where if I had one thing going on, I could easily just reach out to a whole bunch of people on campus and let them know uh, what the situation was and try and see if I can get people involved into it. it and, and honestly, a lot of the time, the love was real. Like, you would have people slide. Exactly. You, 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 you would have them slide. They, they wouldn't... Like a lot of the times, if they didn't have class or if if nobody else had, they would slide, and and that that's what I loved about it. And it was like, it, it really was like a home. You was able to make the connection, like you said. It wasn't mm-hmm. so so busy, so bustling that everybody moving so fast and moving around that nobody really got time to connect or talk and you know stop and say, "Hey, what's up?" Exactly. You know what I mean? You saying hey to the same person maybe three, four times a day. A day. <laughs> that some people are like, bro, you just said what's up to me, bro. <laughs> I'm like, hey, yeah. man. Look. <laughs> Good day today. I'm just feeling the vibe. Yeah, I'm feeling and the then, vibe. And it's it's crazy that we do the shows now on Wednesdays. And and that used to be well-dressed Wednesdays. For people, mm. anybody who didn't go to Cheney. Cheney, Cheney started this tradition called well-dressed Wednesdays, where you would come out in your best. You know what I mean? Look sharp. I used to look so, forward to those days, man. We, it was like a, it turned into a fashion show at one point. Yeah, because it literally was a vibe. It, it literally was a vibe, man. So um, while I was there, I literally changed my major a couple of times. I don't know about you. Um, I changed mine about once or twice. There, see, and it, it, that literally happens because yeah. you, you think about your career going this way and then you fine, you might do better in this section. So you end up change, trying to change your major so you can get that degree in that career field that you hope. Um, so for you, how did some of those career choices change? Um, and how did that end up leading to uh, entrepreneurship? Man, great. Another great question. The biggest thing that changed for me was realizing that I was was doing the internship. So anybody listening to this that's that has a high school student going to college or that's a college student trying to figure out if you should intern or not, 100% you should intern. Because if I didn't do that internship in the accounting field, I probably would have graduated trying to get a job as an accountant. But I interned my junior year and realized, man, this is not what I want to do. I don't want to be sitting in a desk punching numbers for other people eight hours a day. I I need to be interacting with people. And that's what Professor Black, who uh, at the time was my uh, campus uh, advisor, told me about uh, the hospitality program. So I listened to him, bro, and I just transferred uh, from uh, business management accounting to business hospitality um, and tourism. And that really changed the game for me because it got me in front of a lot of service-based companies, service-based industry. And that's when I found my calling is like, okay, 
customer service, AKA like that, that's what opened me up to sales, which is what put me to where I am now. So if I would have never switched majors to hospitality and tourism management, I would have never gotten that experience of moving down to Miami, doing some, um, some project management, learning that now I want to do sales. So like everything was like a, a, a domino. The domino I was about to say that the domino exactly. effect. And I tell people that all the time, when you just focus on doing the work, like literally just focus on doing the work, like what you need to do for you, mm-hmm. everything else kind of just falls in line and it just start leading to the, this opportunity, to this opportunity, to this opportunity it's because you literally just focus on doing what you do. You know exactly. what I'm saying? And when you to get good at one thing, it usually requires you to add on another skill or um, another, another set of things to attach to the skill. Um, for instance, like just like starting the radio, when we first started, it literally, like similar to what you said, like it, it, it literally was just the show. Like we, we came on, we just wanted to talk show. We wanted to explain to people literally what hip hop actually is. Cause a lot of people think, you know, it's just rapping. It's just mm-hmm. people spitting bars and talk about slapping bees and making fast cash and selling drugs. You know what I'm saying? And it's not. That's that's not hip hop. That's not really what the culture is really about. Right. The, the culture literally started as graffiti, which was art. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And move move forward to DJing, MCing, and b-boying. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. That's that's a whole. If you then you add in food and fashion and all of the modern things that's added to the culture of hip hop. Then you know what I mean. It's definitely not those things. Those the the, the you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So that's why um, I just focused on that, and then in doing that, it developed into okay. Now that we have valuable artists that come share valuable content, now how do we share that valuable music that they make? You get what I'm saying. So that extended to the extra hour, and then is now. How do we share more love and bring more attention to that music? And Create I love that, the bro, blog, because... the podcast. Yeah, it was it was a development. Exactly, and you found your you found your niche, what made all that so much easier. So, like nowadays with social media, it's very easy for people to not have a niche because we just mm-hmm. looking at what everybody else doing, and we only see the result. We don't see the work, so we think, oh, that's, this is easy enough for me to jump into as well. Therefore, we, we become distracted because we, exactly. see, we get that shiny nickel syndrome where we see a bunch of things that look pleasing, look easy enough for us to do. We want to jump into that, realize a week later, two weeks later, whatever it is. Hey, I'm not interested in that. I don't like doing this at all. And we waste it. Who knows how, well, how much time? Because we or, or I, Go ahead. I was going to say, or sometimes people just realize it's too hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of times you realize everything when you try to get good at it, it's hard. Like, no matter what it is. Like, if you wanted to play soccer, it is going to be fun at first, but when you want to get a pro level, it's going to be hard. If you play lacrosse or you even trying to learn how to ride a bike, you can ride a bike. It's fun. It's easy. But when you go to try to do it competitively, it's hard. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's why they say whatever you do, you got to actually love doing it. Like, I actually love playing music you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. i love being a disc jockey i love making mixes i love producing beats these are things that's why i wanted to go to art institute of philadelphia because i thought i was going to be an audio engineer for the rest of my life 
it turned out it took a broadcasting wave and that was more of my lane. And like I said, life figured that out for me. I didn't, like you said, I didn't just wake up or see somebody doing something and jump on it. I let the domino effect take place mm-hmm. and lead me and guide me into my true purpose. Absolutely. That's how you're supposed to do it. You just stay true to yourself and everything else follows. So in my process, in order for me to make it real though, at some point I had to make, you had to make it a brand. Of course, my business partners, my associates, they helped me develop that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you, how did that come into play for you? Um, was that something that kind of just came to you or was that something that people kind of brought to you? Like, Hey, maybe you should stamp it and make it more of you. So people notice you. Yeah. I say, I say that all came again at college. Uh, my experience at Cheney is what helped me find my brand um, from doing different things from being an RA to running for Mr. Cheney serving as Mr. Cheney, being a, um, the, the governor of SGA, those, those different types of like leadership roles made me realize, okay, there's a common theme. I constantly go after these leadership roles and I enjoy serving in these roles because of the impact that I can make in the, the, the Cheney community. And then later on learning the leadership, it, leadership in the, it all together helps me make a, a impact in my larger community. So it was when I graduated from Cheney that I realized that my brand was going to be leadership development. So I ended up publishing my first book right. uh, last year uh, called Lead from the Front, which is a guide to um, communication skills and uh, time management and all kinds of stuff that's going to make you a better leader, not only for hey. uh, for other people, but for yourself, because you got to learn how to lead yourself before you can lead others, right? You, that's a fact. And that's a fact. And then uh, when I moved to Atlanta, I got into sales. So then I learned that, okay, now I'm in the sales role and I started to evolve as a leader in my sales company. And I'm realizing that not only is this leadership helping me become a better leader in this company, it's making me a better salesperson. So my brand altogether just started to be like business development slash leadership development, helping people make money while helping people uh, constantly put themselves in a position to where they can elevate to the next level. Exactly. Because honestly, part of making money, and this is what people don't realize, part of making money is a mindset. Mm -hmm. You have to change your mindset before you can get people to to change other people's minds to invest in your product. Because they're not thinking about your product before you invented it. Only you are. Mm -hmm. So if you want to change their mind, you first have to change yours. You have to fully and 100% believe in your product. You have to fully and 100% invest in your product. You have to fully and 100% push that product. Then you can change the minds of others so they believe in that product. So they then invest in that product. So they then push that product. Mm-hmm. Hey, bro, you spitting right now because I was just, that's, matter of fact, that's the whole purpose of the, because you said it's a mindset. That was literally why I created the podcast and titled it The Million Dollar Mind. Because I'm li- I'm mm-hmm. learning like we all we all have these goals and aspirations of being millionaires, being the first millionaire in our family, and just accomplishing such huge financial independence. But we don't realize in order for you to become a millionaire physically, you have to become a millionaire mentally. 
is no longer, oh, I don't want to invest in it. Bro, I probably invested over the course of maybe three years. I probably invested about $15,000 in coaching and mentorship just for the fact that I value my, my time more than I value money. And exactly. that's the mindset. Because money is a tool. Exactly. Money is just a tool. It's, I can make that 6000 back. I can make that 15000 back. I can make whatever I spend. I can make it back if I adopt the right principles and the right mindset. And, and that's what they don't understand. See, mm-hmm. if, and this is what I, I try to tell people. It's just really as simple as this. When a person says they want to be a doctor, they invest in college for four years. Then they turn around and invest in grad school again for another three to four years. And then they turn around and invest in doing the test to pass that, that, that MD, what is the MBAR yeah, the boards, exam? The MD, yep, yeah. the MD. That's, that's a cost. It's a cost association with taking that test. Mm-hmm. They pay that cost to be a boss. They want to be a head doctor. They want to be the best doctor in their field. They pay every price it costs to do that. Mm-hmm. It's the same for everything else. You want to be a best mechanic? You invest in the best mechanic schools, the best mechanic books. You get a mechanic mentor that have been doing it for years to teach you the, the best way to do things that the books can't teach you. Right. And then you invest in your shop. You invest in your tools. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. These are things that people, we don't understand that comes with being an entrepreneur, that comes with changing your life and creating generational wealth for your family. It's like the casino, bro. You got to think of it like you, you got to pay to play. If you want to play the game, you got to pay and everything comes with a price, whether it's monetary or it's a extreme amounts of your time, which is why I don't mind paying the money because again, I value my time. So instead of me taking, let's say $1,500 to learn this new, I mean, 1500 hours to learn this new skill, I think it's worth it spending $5,000 to just expedite that process. It, I agree. See, and, and it also kind of plays in the role of networking, because when you when you pay the cost to these people, you're not just buying the service. You're actually connecting with them. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Especially in the, in the, in the fields that we're in, where um, you're helping people launch their business, you're helping people launch their music career. You're, these are things where you actually they're not just uh, 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 you're not just providing them a service. They're not just the client. It's a connection. Right. Now I know someone that can do something that people need. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and that's where people don't understand. That's the networking experience. So for you, how important, I mean, you kind of stated, but um, the delve into the details of what role did networking play in your career and developing your business? I would say the biggest impact that networking has played for me was allowed me to see myself for who I truly am, right? I used to think that I was this this um, this introvert that was not capable of, you know, stepping out of in out of my out of my comfort zone in the crowds and just having a conversation with a stranger. To where these constant leadership roles that I put myself into that's a form of networking. Anytime I go to a, another school to speak on behalf of Cheney or anytime I went to another school to network with their SGA to now in real, in the, into the real world, quote unquote, real world, uh, to now just being in different right. uh, work environments to sell my services or sell a, a, a product to a person. That's a form of networking too, because I learned in sales, it's about listening. And the more I listen, 
the more I learn about a person and I may realize, okay, well, this product may not be the best for you, but it's, I think it's pretty interesting that you have your own business. I could potentially have you on my podcast and we can, you know, we can network that way. So that was the biggest thing that I learned about networking was just be a student of the game, realizing that you can learn something from everybody. You can't learn everything from somebody, but you can learn something from everybody, everybody, Mm -hmm. right? That was the biggest thing because it made me more attentive and open-minded to just listening to what people have to say. Because if I can't help them in this way, if I listen long enough, I'll find another way that I can help them or we can become um, strong uh, associates with each other. Exactly. And honestly, man, that's, that's why I love what I do so much. That's why I love doing this show. You talk to people we, every day. Exactly. What we're doing here is literally that network. And that networking is allowing not only us um, as business owners, but we allowing the community to get this game so they can use these tools, use these gems, use our connections mm-hmm. to help them. Exactly. And that's a blessing, right? It's like a blessing that, to be able to say that, right? What you just said right there, you are a blessing to the people that listen to the show. Bro, I, I, that was our, that literally was our first purpose, bro. We really wanted people to literally understand firstly what hip hop is. And then secondly, to literally get value from the interviews that we were doing. Mm-hmm. So that we, when we say we amplifying the culture, you know what I'm saying? We interviewing catalysts of the culture. That ain't no cat. We want we wanted to stand on that. Mm-hmm. Have valuable people like you who actually went through the journey, who actually experienced it firsthand and able to come and drop gems. Also, while we on the top t- topic of you dropping the gems, because <laughs> that's what you do, one of your former podcasts, you talked about keeping score. You talked about us, we sh- saying that as people. Um, and entrepreneurs, we should keep score. Um, but then that people might say, like, oh, that's a little, sound a little petty. That sound like you're going to be judging yourself based off other people and you shouldn't do that. So give us a little background of what is keeping score and how can that be used? Yeah, man. So I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to share that because that was I, I, I titled it like that for a reason. Uh, so I love using the podcast as a platform to just be that accountability group for those that are in a similar situation and just need to hold themselves accountable. And one of the w- one of the ways we need to hold ourselves accountable in the most, uh, bro, that I believe is just crit- being able to critique our current beliefs and our current process and the things that we currently do now to see if this is actually hindering us for our future growth. And one thing I realized that was hindering us from future growth was the fact that we allow, uh, we only look at keeping score as a good thing in sports, right? We watch basketball, we watch football. We, we, that's what makes us excited to watch these sports is because of the fact that they have stats. They, they keep score. There's a winner at the end of the game. But why mm-hmm. don't we apply that same type of, of rhetoric with our own business and our own goals and aspirations and our achievements. We have to look at our achievements and our goals as a contact sport, right? When I, one thing I learned about sales the most is that sales is just as much a contact sport as it is football, except right. we ain't, we ain't, we ain't hitting pad to pad, but we dialing on the phones. We power dialing on the phones. Or if we in person, we knocking on every single door, or if we in a Walmart, which I had experience in, we making sure we touching every single person in that department. So it's a contact sport. So 
with that being said, you have to have some type of metric, something to, to, to measure that lets you know that the activities that you're doing are actually producing you an income and not wasting your time. Because right. if you're not keeping score, you could just, a lot of us, it's like being on a treadmill. If you're not keeping score, you just walking on this treadmill, you burning calories, yeah, but your goal may be to get to an actual destination. Well, you can't get to a destination on a treadmill. You just doing a lot of movement, but you're not getting anywhere. And that's what the right. result is of not actually measuring what your uh, what your actions are and your daily activities. Like if we just want to focus on the results, it's not going to give us more results. It's focusing so, on the activities and the actions that give us the result that we're looking for. And that was the whole purpose of that purpose of that podcast. So what what would you what would you recommend for for people who who need to find a way to measure um, that success? Like in what ways could a person person measure or keep score of that success? So, um, so even on this sales, I want to, I'm going to switch gears to real estate because real estate is an industry that people are becoming a lot more knowledgeable of. So I would say like, if you are, if you're a realtor listening to this and you just now getting started, then a key performance indicator will probably be how many contacts did you store in your CRM, your customer relation management tool, whatever you're using, right? Whether you're using an Excel spreadsheet that you that you track all your uh, your your uh, clients to, how many contacts can you save in that CRM with data that's going to give you a good idea of what what each client is looking for, so that you can constantly, when you get the deal, you know exactly, oh, this is a deal for such and such, or this may be a deal for client A, client B. So that would be a that would be a, a metric a, a real estate agent definitely want want to track. Let's just say you uh a business person that has your own product line. Uh then a metric then that you definitely want to track is the cost per lead. How much does it cost you to bring each paying client or each paying customer to your business? Right. So then you can see if you're paying too much or if you can find some ways to lower your, your overhead costs. Or even if you have a startup company and you don't have no overhead costs, let's say your, your product is or let's say your service is something that doesn't really cost you any money to provide. It's just a service that costs you time. Then right. I will say another uh, key performance indicator would be uh, how many uh, to track the, the unique impressions of your social media posts. Right. Right. You obviously need to get people to see your business. You need to start tracking your unique impressions. How many new people actually saw your post on a day to day basis? Right. And I think that's a real key component that a lot of people miss when they start a business is that metrics like you just need metrics. You need some type of charting or some type of tracking to make sure that whatever you're investing in, because at this point you should be investing. If you started a business, you, you, you already invest in when you started the business because it costs to start the start a LLC, a, a sole proprietorship, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it costs you already. So you already invested. So you should be investing more. And if you are doing so, you should be able to keep track of that in some way, shape or form. Um, because then, like you said, you could be spending so much money and then you're not making anything back. And then you're wondering why. And then you don't know because you're not even keeping track. Not, you don't got no metrics. Exactly. We ain't got nothing to measure. <laughs> you just know you're just spending money and you don't see no return. And that can make you give up. And, right. So that's another reason why you want to keep track and keep score, because it, they, they used to say, like, keeping score is petty. Right. It, it, it could discourage right. you. 
But bro, that that's a lie that they told us to just make us not keep track of that stuff to make you just stuck in the position that you're currently in. If you literally mm-hmm. look at the results of keeping score and tracking your statistics and your metrics, it motivates you more to do more of that because you you see how you got that result. And when you know how you got the result, you're like, okay, well, I could just, I'm confident next month that I could do the same thing because all I have to do is these activities. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I, I agree. Um, even in my personal experience with just growing on Instagram, you know, using Facebook and Google ads, um, just watching my, my my insights, you know, grow from literally like two to three people a day to, you know, doing literally over 300 profile visits a week, doing over 3000 profile visits a month, like watching my website and uh, subscribers grow, watching, mm-hmm. you know, like, the, like literally when you have the analytics, you, you literally can see like, oh, wow, I did this. And then I've really got all of these people to go here. I got this many clicks. I got like when you, th- those things are exciting and, and allow you to be like, oh, I want to learn this now. And I, mm-hmm. there's the domino effect again. It's like, exactly. you just, you're literally just focused on doing what you're supposed to do. And then you're presented with other opportunities to grow, but literally based off that. Um, and literally that's literally where monetizing comes from. Like at first the show, we didn't, we didn't make any money. We weren't even a business. We were just doing this. Like I said, to literally provide information and give gems to people. Um, monetization didn't come along until we first started getting analytics just off. Like you said, just seeing how many people were watching, how many down, you get what I'm saying? How many downloads Mm -hmm. we were getting, um, to then, once investing more having a cost association then you know how to sell something you don't you shouldn't even if you don't have a cost in my personal opinion bro i know a lot of people do provide um services that are usually just time consuming but at the same time i i believe every like i said every business has a cost association so Mm -hmm. um if you don't have a cost association, how do you know what you should be charging people? You get what I mean? I feel like when you don't have a, a, a heavy overhead, then it's best to figure the easiest way to figure out how much to charge people is by seeing if you get that regretful feeling like this, uh, this prime example, right? When I used to do videography and do music videos, uh, when I moved to Miami, I learned through trial and error what I should be charging because I started off charging something like $200 to do this mad extravagant, like I'm talking like $200 for a simple video. Maybe that ain't bad, but I'm doing these mad extravagant videos. I'm talking about, we doing, we traveling to different scenes. We getting the drones out. We doing a whole lot of bookings and stuff like that. For right. That's the whole production. Video. Exactly. So when I knew that I should have, should have been charging more when I was really, not excited to start working on the video because of the return that I was getting for it and the work that I had to do prior to even getting the footage. And so you kind of like with a videography comp like us as a solo entrepreneur doing videography, you don't really have no overhead. You just got your camera and you take a gig as a gig comes. So it's easy to under, you know, to undercharge somebody. I would say the best way to figure out if you undercharging is just by trial and error continue to, you know, set a price that you feel it will be exciting, worth the work that you're providing. Um, so I guess we should start backwards. I guess the first step is 
first identifying what your value add is. What is your what is your package? What are you promising mm -hmm. to this individual? And then after you figure out what what all you're promising to this individual for this service, then you figure like, okay, now with all this work that I have to do, what do I think is the dollar amount that will suffice for that amount of work? Right. So, and a lot of people believe that like when you're doing stuff like what we do, what we we podcast, um, that and we radio, what do you do? Internet radio, all these things. They believe you should just do it because you love it, right? Mm -hmm. um, some people, it, 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 like monetizing shouldn't come for like years, years after, right? For you, um, how, how quick or how important was monetizing when you first developed your podcast? Um, and which ways do you feel new podcasters should focus on um, monetizing and when? Because that, that's another, that's like really, a, I know it, that's a key comp component. Because I know you might, I know you're going to say something that's going to get a lot of people excited. They're like, oh, I could do that. I could do that. And <laughs> I want you to tell them when though too. So they're like, all right, I got to put this work in first. Because a lot of people skip, try to skip that. They go try to skip, go right to monetizing and try to skip the work. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what, what my podcast, I use a platform called anchor, uh, which is a free platform that allows you to actually monetize as soon as you get your first ep like it's no minimum listenership, no minimum episodes. As soon as you get your first episode and you get listeners, you actually already making money from your podcast. So I thought that was really cool, but that wasn't the sole purpose. My, cause it's different ways to monetize is, is audio facing monetizing is guest facing monetization. Uh, it's, uh, product facing auto uh, monetization so the purpose that the main route that i was trying to take was i was trying to use the podcast to get more book sales and to increase brand awareness and then just from listeners tricking in that that was like a bonus if i can make money just from getting listeners that's cool too which actually came first um but as i started to uh again going back to those metrics when i started to track my metrics and seeing which countries that i'm trending in and things like that uh i realized that the monitor, the the audio facing monetization, getting listeners and just getting paid off of your listeners. That's actually the slowest way. That, that's called right. the traffic, the, the traffic first way where now I'm learning a different method of monetization, which is more so the credibility first uh, method, which is focused on your credibility. And when I figured that out was I started strategically finding guests that were well known in the countries that listen to my podcast. So of course the United States mm. is naturally going to be, the 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 first lit the most listened country of the podcast because that's where most of my listeners are but i discovered that the second most listened country is ireland so what i did was i actually started reaching out to well-known speakers in ireland and getting them on the podcast just so i can kind of add that value even more to these people who are listening to my podcast in ireland they can mm. get a get a chance to listen to somebody that they actually know because they may not know every single person I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing from America, but they exactly. may know this person that's from Ireland and that, that will make them even more excited. It will make them share even more. And so I had my first uh, celebrity guest. Her name is Dr. Ebon Joseph, and she's a Nigerian Irish woman who started the first black studies program at the University of Dublin in Ireland. So it was wow. super excited to have uh, her on the show. And just from that, Ireland listened, the, the, like the, the views from Ireland went up 3%. Once I got right. her on the show. So I'm learning that new method of the credibility first and just seeking uh, credible sources in the markets that you want to target 
and put, getting them on your podcast to kind of get that credibility first. And that's going to what this like that domino effect that we keep mentioning. That's mm-hmm. going to trickle in the, the traffic naturally. Honestly, and that's that's where you, you stated three different things that you had to use to even get the monetization. You talked about metrics that you had to use. Um, you talked about um, using um, other people, like other influencers mm-hmm. um, to create that monetization. And then you talked about credibility, um, which usually, again, requires work to establish credibility. Yes. So before, literally, I, it kind of, it's crazy how in your explanation of monetizing, there's a process. There's a process there where you have to put certain things in place um, before you get to that point. Um, with, I've literally come across in the development of my business is artists who, because my business is developing artists, helping them monetize their music career, putting their music out there, helping them get attention to that music, right? Mm-hmm. And for an artist to do that, as an artist, look at the pros. Not, and when I say pros, I don't even mean just an industry signed artist. Look at an um, a artist who is unsigned, like Core, um, who... Still, well, he signed now. We now know he has a Rock Nation deal. Congrats, congrats, Corey, on that. That's big. Um, but beforehand, <laughs> exactly. But beforehand, he presented himself as an artist. You get what I mean? He um, put together a literally a rap sheet to as basically like a resume, mm-hmm. like as he was applying for a job, but as a rapper. Like this is my rap resume, and he had that there. So. If a label, a manager, an agent, any a radio DJ, anybody ever looked into him, they had that dare to, he had that dare to prove his work. So if you haven't even done that as an artist, you shouldn't never, you shouldn't be in nobody DMs, approaching no DJs, mm-hmm. approaching no managers, because you gotta remember, the work come first. The work always comes first. Work always comes first. And to, I mean, to, to add on to that about the work that it requires to, before you can even get the monetization, you can't monetize a podcast without a podcast. And you damn sure don't have a podcast without a niche. You got to think about how many people mm. are becoming podcasters nowadays where you can literally just get a USB mic and a laptop or even your phone and make a podcast to where now you really have to focus on what you want to, what you want to talk about. You really, I can't stress this enough. I can't stress this enough. You don't want to mm. listen to a podcast and like, that's the type of podcast I want to have. And you try to recreate that because it's not going to be successful because you're not really, you're not really driven to it because that's not you. So you got to really think long and hard. The most preparation and the most work that you have to put into being a podcaster is first identifying your niche, what you don't mind talking about over and over and over and over again and see like and what i i i know everyone like calls a niche but a lot of people don't know what niche niche is niche they, they hear the word a lot but they don't really know what it is so mm-hmm. for me when i like to explain a niche as a niche um for those li- people listening in the niche is your purpose yep it's it is literally your purpose what what are you trying to do like what are what are you trying to provide value in 
what are you good at? What 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 do you have knowledge in that you could share? That you could connect with someone over and bring them on to your podcast so they can share their knowledge that maybe you don't have. You know, kind of like how I have Kai here. Kai has knowledge, background in business, background in, 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 in uh, credit, real estate, things that aren't my necessarily focused in my niche. But I'm able to connect with the person and provide and, and have him come provide value to my listeners. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to do. That's what you want. That's what you want your your platform to be about. You want your platform to literally provide value to the people that's listening. And that's big too. And I and as this as I also want to share this on my platform as well with the with the million dollar mind, I definitely want them to you know see the value that you provide to uh jay which is the consistency so can you can you tell us a little bit about because i'm sure everybody can 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 benefit from this tell us a little bit about how consistency has played a huge role in 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 your career and your growth oh gosh bro honestly that like we talk about the domino effect that's literally it like it's like Imagine someone coming in and like stepping a foot down in the middle of your dominoes, but it's your, it's your own foot. So that's literally the consistency It's like, you can't put your own foot in front of yourself and trip over and stop your dominoes from rolling. Mm-hmm. Like when the opportunity presents itself, you just got to go, you got to set that up and, and you got to set up your own opportunities. Like say if, if you know, you just did something big, for instance, um, I always use artists as an example because that's like where I have most of my knowledge. If you just did a big show for someone, right? Maybe you opened up for a little baby or maybe you opened up for the baby. or Maybe you just, you opened up for Drake or something. I don't know. You did something spectacular, right? You don't let that die down and let people just get hype and you fill your head and get big headed over that, that event that you did. And now you got all these followers. No, now you got you to gotta follow up with something. You got to do something else big. Mm-hmm. You got to get out there, socialize with the people that engage with that post that got you to go viral because you opened up for that person. Um, for me, in my career, it literally was once I got the extension of the show, like literally once I had that extra hour to literally dedicate to playing music, I knew my responsibility was to make sure that I could do that and do it well. And that people actually would come listen in for that hour. So for me, I had to literally, I took D, literally took DJing lessons. I called my folks up, that DJ, yo, bro, listen, I'm, I got this new slot on the radio, I'm dedicating this joint to be playing music. I mean, I've been engineering my whole life, but you know what? I never actually sat down and DJ before. So I need you to come show me a few things. You know what I mean? Pay him for that. Like, literally, that was my consistency. Once... Once I did that, I knew, all right, what's next? I got to get the playlist and rocking. Because if I'm going to put the songs in the mix, I might as well have a playlist to go along with the mix. So the songs that's in the mix is also in the playlist. So, you know what I'm saying? It was all literally, it just was development. Like, every time I seen that something new was needed to help me grow, I just jumped right on it. I didn't waste no time. And, And like you said, no matter what it costs, because I looked at the money as a tool to do what I wanted to do. It's like, I want to run playlists and be a real playlist curator. I want to be a real radio DJ. I want to be like, I want to make it real. I want everything to be authentic. Mm -hmm. I don't want nothing fake. 
what I'm saying? So I'm literally every time the opportunity presented itself to make everything I'm doing real, I did it. I went and did it. I did and I didn't care what it cost. Cause it cost like, to be the boss. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's and honestly, that's the energy I try to I push into my clients. That's the energy I, I want to push into my listeners. That's the energy I want to push to people like you, the people I network with. They're like, well, we got to really, you got to believe in yourself so wholeheartedly that no matter what it costs, like if you had to go to the, the, the fires and back to be successful, you got it. You got this. Mm-hmm. And you know you're going to come out unscathed because you, you got it. Exactly. Um, so for you, I know switching, switching careers and this, I, I, I want the only reason I want to hit on this because I've done it too myself. Switching careers doesn't necessarily mean you off your path. As long as you already, you have your focus. Um, cause I've done things like I might've been delivering food. But I still was making sure that every Wednesday I was at the radio. I might have been cleaning houses, but I made sure every Wednesday I was at the radio. I might have had to just take care of my daughter for the day. But guess what? I made sure every Wednesday I was at the radio station. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just like another thing for me where like consistency played the key. And even though you have to do other things, because real life happens, you know what I'm saying? Um, for you, has has that ever become a, a become like a barrier for you? And how did you handle it? Um, no, I wouldn't say. I said every time I switched careers, it was that it was elevating. Like I was elevating to the next level. I was transcending from my current position to the next level until I get to level 10 or whatever the level is of my end goals, right? But I just feel like that's what each and every transition was about, was just transcending transcending to the next level. And my uh, my homie Ryan, and I mentioned this in an in a episode this season as well, uh, my homie Ryan really put this into perspective for me. And that was like, you can have seven different jobs. You can have, you can work, you could have worked at seven different places in the last five years, right? But if mm-hmm. you maintain and you keep consistent this attitude, you are going to be successful. And that's that's this attitude, right? That work, we should be treating work as training for your life's work, right? Mm. You spending eight hours a day, most people are spending eight hours a day. We we They recommend we sleep for eight hours. So we spend as much time as doctors recommend we should be sleeping at this job. If you're going to be investing that much time into a job, you need to be making sure that you're treating your time with value. And the only way you can be doing that is by treating this job as the training field, as the the workout gym, as the courts of you preparing for your life's work. And the only Mm. way you can do that is by doing the work, right? Not really saying, oh, man, I got to go to work. If you have in that type of attitude, I got to go to work. I don't like these people. I don't like working here it's impossible for you to treat it with that type of seriousness. So that's why I always stress the importance. Like I know people have responsibilities, right? We all got to pay bills. We all got to make sure that there's a roof under our heads, but do not let that be an excuse for you to tolerate a poor position, a a poor position or a a uh, unattractive 
position, right? A job that you hate. A job that I hate is not more important than me, like than me providing for myself. Me providing for myself is making sure that I'm happy at this job while making the money to provide a roof over my head. So sometimes I feel like we have it skewed and we have it twisted where we feel like we're being responsible for staying at this job when all in all actuality you're hindering yourself because right you're literally the fish only grows as much as the bowl that is placed in where if you mm. had a position even if it's a startup company if you had this job that that is new and is a startup company but you feel like the uh, uh and the opportunity is abundant guess guess where you're going to grow your growth is going to be abundant because of your attitude and your mindset towards this job that you have but if you walk in there every day slight feeling slighted your results are going to be slighted and everything else about where you're going to end up at the end of that job is going to be slighted. I can guarantee you that at the end of you, whether you leave tomorrow or you leave three years from now, you're not going to feel uh, like you positioned yourself where you need to be to be prepared for the next elevation or the next transition. Mm-hmm. And that, that go right back to our original point, that mindset, man. The mindset. Cause if you going to, like you said, if you going to work and your mindset screw, it don't matter if you in that job ten years from now. You, you now you got to start from square one again. Fix you your mindset. Start from square one. Where if you go, if you go ham and you put your all into that job, even if you, even if you have the option to leave that job to go to a new position, you've you've harvested you harvested all the skills that you need. You harvested all the network that you needed to obtain to where you going you going to this next job is literally because it was the best the best move for you to make in that moment not because you were sick and tired of being sick and tired yo so man these i hope y'all not missing these gems man that's that's literally it it gets me when like you leave me speechless <laughs> like you, everything i could is like those those inspirational moments that I have where I'm just, I'm going on my rant and I'm telling people, believe like you just took it from me. You got mm-hmm. it. Today, today Kai took it. I got to give it to y'all. Today, Kai was the soul of the show, y'all. <laughs> Isaac wasn't here to be the host and let me be the soul. So I guess I'm the six today and, and you the soul, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the sense in the soul, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I, that's what, that's, that's what we came up to when we, when we first started the show. Um, Isaac would usually be the one giving a, doing a lot of the intricate questions. Um, and I, I, you know, I was just kind of catching a vibe, like getting this, I was just ecstatic being in the studio, bro. Like being mm-hmm. literally like, this is my job now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Radios. Like it, it's really one of those things um, that you, it, it takes getting used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can even hear it in some of our podcasts when we, the beginning episodes, they're like, uh, and then as like you get to like 14 to 20, you get there's it's a vibe. Mm-hmm. It's a vibe, bro. And that's literally that that was literally our evolution. Like, and he was like, Yeah, bro, you from beginning, you always had like this, you know, uplifting spirit about about the genre, about the people that um engage in this culture. And I really do, bro. Like, this is this is like my it's, this has been my life. Like, you know what I mean? I remember coming in, literally, kindergarten, like six years old, coming home, watching music videos. You know what I'm saying? As I eat my my my, my bologna sandwich or my PB&J. So to, and like I said, going to Art Institute of Philadelphia, 
thinking I was going to be an engineer and then having it all literally come back full circle around. Um, it was, honestly, it's, it's one of those experiences that, um, I don't know. I just kind of want a lot of other people to experience the same thing. Cause I know if it can happen for me, it can happen for them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you actually, bro, I, I, I'm, I'm proud of, I'm proud of the, you know, the strides that you make cause you really walking in your purpose as well. So if you could, because the, this season on the podcast, our theme is self-love. And I really am curious to hear from you. Like, what is your definition of what self-love is and how do you make a conscious decision to put yourself first? Oh man. Ah, self bro. Firstly, man, if the no self-love, you gotta know what love is. And and to keep it G, bro, honestly, don't I don't think I I don't think I know what love is, but I know understanding. Mm-hmm. I, I could say that I fully understand myself now. And I don't know if that's come with age or that just come with experience. Um, for me, it just kind of just happened. There's this, 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 there's this evolutionary change where you begin to look at yourself in the mirror. You begin to look at what you were doing and how your actions are affecting the people around you, or even how the people around you kind of change your energy and affect your energy. So you begin to kind of start to want to walk with a purpose and change your ways just for that alone. Um, Cause you really just want to fulfill your purpose. Um, so for me, it was kind of less of self-love. Cause I, like I said, I can't really tell you what I, what my definition of love is. I really don't know, but I know understanding. And um, I, I've come to a point of understanding myself. So that is what allows me to move forward. Mm, amen to that, bro. Amen to that. And I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I feel like love that understanding and your answer really reinforced this in my head too, to, to kind of what I understand love to be, whether you have love for an individual, your spouse, love for the game, love for music, love for mm-hmm. service, love in general is every day making that decision to do whatever it takes to, to, to keep that love flowing and growing. Right. So uh-huh. If you, if you love the, if you love service is making sure you're making a decision every single day uh, doing whatever it, it doing whatever by any any means necessary to serve the community in w- whatever way you can. Right. I, honestly, yeah, and, and that that literally the reason you do that is because usually you understand something a lot of people don't. It's like like if you if you want to take it back to like an ancient time, the people would feel weird or look at the the witch doctor the community in a certain way, but then when someone got sick and they came down and they did a ritual and they healed. It was like, oh my gosh, he's amazing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? And it's because the witch doctor knew he was just living his purpose. He understood that this is what he had to, he had to be that outsider and live on the outskirts of town and wear all these things because when people actually needed help, this was the way to help him. This is how they knew to help them. So um, to fast forward, bring it back into modern times again, when we, um, when we truly love something it's it's because we have a profound understanding of its purpose like i love what i do and i love because i know what it can do for people i know the services i provide are valuable and they can help people change people's lives and really create a residual income for life like that's a real thing 
Mm-hmm. Like I said, if I could do it for me, I can literally teach others how to do it. You get what I'm saying? So that's why I love it so much. Cause I understand its worth. I understand its purpose. 100%, 100% with you, bro. Man, it, it's crazy because I think a lot of people in general have a lot of worth and they just don't understand it. That's why they don't, you know how they say we don't, as, as black men or as black women, black children, we don't love ourselves because of the depiction that has been presented, right? Mm-hmm. But that's because we don't actually understand ourselves. We don't actually understand the, the power of our people. We maybe have not gone through the experience of going to an HBCU and learned about all the empowering black women and men that have created things for us. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... Again, that's what I'm saying. I, I honestly think that the, the love literally stems from the understanding. Yeah, I agree. 100. And, and we all seen that sign. Uh, we all seen that sign in Jersey that says Trenton makes the world takes. That's literally what we should think of ourselves, <laughs> right? We should think like literally because we all we, we, we sometimes we need to hear it from other people. But we every single one of us has a secret ingredient to this entree we call life. And if we all want to strive and and make it to where we need to be, we have to understand that we need somebody else's secret ingredient. You can't do everything by yourself. So knowing that you can't do everything by yourself and you value people, you need to understand that there's a value that you can add to others as well because they need you just as much as you need them. value off each other now like a lot of uh points that you hit on like like even talking about keep it scoring these are things we reiterate and we we talk about because that's we provide value to each other and to the people that's listening like this this is is, I, i look at it as energy bro like the world literally works off energy like even if you think about size but the molecules and atoms is vibrating in a fixed location to create that solidarity. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? They moving together rapidly to create solidarity. That's it. That's the mm-hmm. energy. When we, when we literally start connecting and just moving, making literally making moves, but make the moves together, it's going to be solidarity. Mm-hmm. Preach, man. Like, hey, and you fit, yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Look, no, because I, I personally feel like even in 20. 2020, 2021, 2021, COVID has activated a lot of people. COVID activated a lot of people to get serious about what they truly believe in and what they truly want. And I've never seen so many Black entrepreneurs, so many people striving for their businesses. So I never, I never experienced this in my life. So for me, it, it's a joy. It's honestly a joy because I feel like in the next 10 years for my, for my daughter and my, my nieces and my nephews, it's going to be 10 times better than what we had growing up. The, the, the rap game. Yeah. It might be more commercial, but it's going to be more fun. It's going to be more experience. It's going to be more availability and money and comfortability for the black community. And that's what mm-hmm. I, I love about it. Absolutely. And, I, and not, not to just say the black community, all communities for, cause you know, Asia is definitely facing a lot of oppression right now because of this whole COVID situation. Uh, um, Native Americans have faced a lot of turmoil in this country. So even other 
minority groups. Like this is the time. This is our time, and I, I, I'm I'm grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any questions, any statements, anything you want to uh, say before we rock out? Cause I where we at on time? Um, we um we, we we probably should be wrapping it up uh probably shortly. But I I mean this was this was amazing, bro. I appreciate the platform, and I appreciate you know us being able to finally get together and have this conversation. Um, only thing I would leave, uh, with, with your listeners is, you know, just remember at, like at all times, you should just be keep focused, build momentum and drive results so that you can live that abundant life that you're looking for. Uh, and with that said, if you really want to check out the million dollar mind podcast, it's the million dollar mind podcast on all platforms. That's Apple podcast, Spotify, you name it, anywhere you listen, you can find it. Uh, and also, if you want to keep up with us on Instagram, that's the MDM underscore pod on Instagram. Or you can follow my personal Instagram at Q-U-I-Y dot speaks. That's Kai dot speaks. Uh, but it has been a pleasure, you know, having this conversation with all y'all. No, honestly, bro, it's been a pleasure having you on, bro. I know the listeners going to love this. I know the station manager going to love this episode. She honestly loves when we have quality people on and they have quality insight. And they truly a catalyst. Like I said, bro, that is honestly the goal of the mic is literally to bring catalysts on to drop these gems. And today, bro, you dropped them gems. Mm. You honestly dropped them gems, bro. Hey, but, let's, let's snap it up for gems because you dropped some gems. <laughs> equals, bro. Let, let, we just some gem droppers today, bro. That, that should be the episode, gem droppers. You already. <laughs> I'm probably going to put that as the name, bro. Um, but look, I appreciate everybody tuning in. You are locked in to the mic 106.5 WPPM FM and lock in every Wednesday. You already know what's going on with the six and Jason Guapo. Peace out. Hey guys. So thanks to you all, the million dollar mind podcast has went global. The number one passion and attraction podcast in the world right now with huge support from the UK, Ireland, France, Belgium, Tanzania, and of course, the United States. With this accomplishment, we are getting bigger and better than ever. Now that said, we are soon incorporating video production and YouTube platform to the show so you guys can witness the podcast in full effect. You can now become a supporter of the Million Dollar Mind podcast by visiting the link in the description below. Share your support with me via email and you will receive a free gift. Tis the season to give. Peace.